This is Anchored in Christ, the sermon podcast that gives you hope in the gospel as an anchor for your soul. Brought to you from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. Our second text comes from the Gospel of Mark, verses 24 to 37. Listen for the word of God. From there, Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know that he was there. Yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the children lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis, They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up into heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephaphatha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done everything well. He makes even the dead to hear and the mute to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our gracious God, illumine this scripture to us that we may know of your will and your love for us. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Well, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of discussion in the news about the labor force and the workforce during this great pandemic. Time Magazine this summer posted a a cover story on the theme, Rethinking Work. And the lead article was, there are 9.2 million open jobs, why nobody wants them? by Elena Samuels. Uh, 
And they also uh, not only covered the, uh, the idea of why people don't want work, but also they talked about why can't employers find workers both sides. So here are some stories of stressed out workers. Uh, Jared Bonney was uh, frustrated because his job was hard and he was exhausted. He was a contractor who worked at an airport de-icing planes and other maintenance duties and he felt that it was uh, very stressful and hard. And for that, he was given $10.40 an hour, which he thought was meager. So he left that job and now is working for another company, a casino, earning $12 an hour plus tips. And then there's the story of Sarah Stark. She was um, at her job in a chain restaurant called Chipotle and she got fed up because the work was hard, day in and day out, too few workers. And she felt after three years, only getting five cents an hour raise every year was not enough. So she found another job. And this job was with Starbucks, who hired her for $12.70 an hour. Um, and in that way, she was able to get health benefits, including mental health benefits, and scholarship opportunities, and the opportunity for promotion. So, do you wonder why she went to that job? Um, so there are frustrated employees, but there are also frustrated employers. You know, as we think of this Labor Day weekend of both the labor and management or employee and employer, we think about those who have the stress of the production of work. And um, so here's um, a few of those stories from the same uh, set of articles in Time Magazine. Um, Tamia Oaks Forney uh, works for a company called Waste Management and they had such trouble employing people that they decided they had to do something more. And that more was offering, offering educational benefits to employees and now they have more people applying uh, than the jobs they have. And then uh, another person is uh, Chelsea McDonald in a startup tech company. And in her work, she's found that um, her managers need to show empathy to workers. And if they do that, they become more um, connected to the work. And so they share in, in their work, the value of work, the mission of the work, and then try to connect employees to one another. Um, Tommy says that she uses a sociogram with the emails that employees send to one another in her company to find out who's connecting to whom and then trying to bring that connection. But she says this is very hard because it takes a lot of stress and a lot of time. Uh, and Helen Peterson says, don't forget the employer has the bottom line 
to think about. And uh, she's thinking she wants people to come to work who are uh, stress-free. She wants people to come to work with their whole selves and to be able to share their selves, but she's thinking she wants to have the best self possible presented to her uh, when they come. Maybe you saw this sign on Facebook like I did, uh, the sign in the front door of a restaurant. Uh, Please be patient with us. We are understaffed. We will be with you as soon as we can. If you can't wait, be our guest to pick up an application and fill it out for work. It's stressful on both sides, isn't it, in, uh, in these days? Um, and especially um, both sides have the stress of finding work or finding workers uh, in our workplace. So I couldn't help but think that this scripture today talks to us about these questions of work in our time. I couldn't help it. You have Jesus who is tired, um, and you have this woman who is frustrated and tired, um, trying to find help for her daughter. So the setting for Jesus is that he's in Tyre. Now Tyre is an area of Gentile country, and it says in our text that he goes to find a house where he can hide. So he, he wants to get away from uh, the stress, the crowds of people uh, clamoring to be healed, to have demons cast out, to be loved. And so, in a way, he's, he's trying to say, <laughs> no more. Uh, and then you have the woman who's been looking all over for somebody to cast out a demon from her daughter, to heal her daughter. And so, um, she comes to him and begs. She finds him and begs for her uh, child to be healed. And Jesus says, let the children be fed first. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. So he's saying he has come first to feed the Jews, not the Gentiles. And yet here he is in Gentile country trying to get away from the Jews, I'm presuming. And so he is saying, it's, I have come really uh, for the Jewish people. But she's bold enough and desperate enough to say, sir, even the friendly lapdogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Please take care of my daughter. Another translation is, true, sir, but even the dogs below the table eat some of the bits of bread that the children throw away. And Jesus relents. He hears her pain. He cares and says, for saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And it's, it's interesting to me that the words for dogs, uh, when Jesus says it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, uh, is a word that Jesus chooses carefully. There are two kinds of dogs. There's guard dog, mean dog, trying to keep people out. But there's the friendly dogs that sit in people's laps. And that's the word he uses. Even the lap dogs uh, get the crumbs under the table is what the, 
the woman said, and he said, Jesus used that same word uh, about the dogs. And so he's not demeaning of the Gentiles, uh, but he has said that he's come for the Jews first. And she convinces him that the Gentiles are worthy. The Gentiles need his love just as much. I really like Matthew's version of this text. He says, um, Matthew has Jesus say, um, um, uh, has the woman say, I'm sorry, but even the dogs eat the crumbs under the master's table. The master's table is the word she's using. Even the dogs eat the crumbs under the master's table. She recognizes the importance of the of faith in Jesus and the faith of the people in Israel, even though she's um, a, a Gentile in the northern country where um, Jews used to reside, but after their um, exile into Samaria, the, the people of Israel were scattered and uh, it became Gentile territory. But then also she uses another word. She says, Lord, help me. So Matthew records this story in a different way. She recognizes him. Jesus is Lord. He's not just a, a, a faith a healer. He is the Lord of creation. So she has great faith and love and wants to be cared for by this Jesus. And then it's interesting to me that the story of the deaf man is connected to the Syrophoenician woman because they're, they both take place in Gentile territory. So Jesus is moving back to the Sea of Galilee, which is in the north, and he passes from Tyre to Sidon. And Sidon, the Gentile territory, is another place where he heals. It's almost as if he realizes that her plea is important and he cares for a Gentile with, without this uh, discussion or possibly demeaning kind of tone. He heals her. So how do, how do we relate these stories to, to our work and our faith? Well, Jesus was not uh, without the tradition of the people of Israel. They followed the prophet Micah who said, what does the Lord require but to do justice and to show mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And the people of Israel were people who cared for the poor, they cared for the widow. You remember that um, the farmers always left crops in their fields so the people who came along could eat the poor and, and widows who no longer had someone to care for them were able to eat. And so this sense of the poor is always important. And then um, there's this proverb in the book of Proverbs, those who are generous are blessed. Do not rob the poor because they are poor or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord pleads their cause and despoils of life those who despoil them. So this is a long-standing tradition that Jesus was a part of, this caring for the least of these, my brethren. I even in, remember that parable in Matthew 25. 
those who uh, care for the, those who are uh, poor and naked, those who are hungry, are the people that God wants us to care for. This is uh, Jesus' long-standing tradition to do justice and to show mercy and to walk humbly with our God. So what can we do today? Well, I think this story speaks to us if we're an employee or if we're an employer, if we're labor or management. It speaks to all of us. Um, in, this, uh, in this story of the Syrophoenician woman, this woman speaks up. And I'm thinking that that leads us to think that employees are asked to speak up. If there's a concern that they have in their heart about their work, uh, about the meaning of their work, speak up and, and let it be known. And that is what the Syrophoenician woman does. She, she begs, she says, I need this, so that uh, management knows of what an employee needs. Um, and isn't it fair also that if an employee has spoken up and doesn't feel there is justice, uh, they're free to move on and find a place that will care for them and will provide meaning in their work. Um, but if you're the employer, also, um, if we think of Jesus stopping and listening to this person who asked for help, he stopped, he listened, he showed empathy, he cared, and he healed. Um, yes, the employer is the one who invests and puts their capital and energy in, into the work. Uh, but aren't they also called to do justice and to show mercy and to walk humbly with their God as they help the people who work with them and for them to understand the purpose and the mission of, of what they're doing? And remember James, too, in, in the letter we heard, this, this leader of the Jerusalem church 30 years after Jesus is still saying, Folks, care for the poor. It, um, don't show deference to people who have money or wealth. Show care to the poor and invite them to sit and eat and to, and to care. Now, if we're not an employer or an, or an employee, there's still other ways we can help. I think of Kimo Kim, an elder from the Southfield Presbyterian Church in um, the Korean church of Metro Detroit. And Kimo himself was uh, a refugee from Korea uh, back in the 70s and was able to find uh, an education and find work. And he's always had this burden for the poor. And one of his ministries, um, which I see on Facebook, week after week in the summer, is to care for migrant farmers. He cares for people who are poor, who have no permanent home, who have no benefits for their work, who constantly are on the move. And I saw it firsthand myself when he invited the men of the Presbyterian of Detroit to come and serve dinner. And we served dinner to 300 migrants and their families, hosted games and Church members came and um, 
hosted games. They also had a barber shop. They had games for children. They had clothes. They wanted to care for the migrant farmers in the state of Michigan. And um, uh, to me, that was really interesting. If you want to see some of the pictures of this, go to Shalom Chemo on Facebook, and you can see for yourself. Every, sum, every summer weekend, he and members of his church and churches he invites show up at migrant farms. They provide health care. They arrange for doctors and nurses. They arrange for dental care. They even arrange for mammograms for women at, their, at these farms. Uh, I was touched the day that I was able to serve and to show Christ's love. We had prayer for everyone uh, using a microphone and thanking God for this time. And uh, Chemo calls it Migrant Appreciation Day um, at each one of these camps. Uh, so what can we do? How can we do justice and show mercy? How can we listen to God as we walk humbly with God to know where we can care for the poor of the earth, those who don't have enough. Friends, this, this is good news. As Jesus listens to this woman, so he listens to us. Whether we're uh, management, whether we're labor, whether we're employers, whether we're employees, whether we have burdens on our hearts, the promise of God is that Jesus stops and listens. We don't have to chase him down. He is here. He is present in this sacrament as we come to the table today. And the, the promise for us today as, as we come to this sacrament is that this meal is not the crumbs under the table. <laughs> This meal is the very best. Jesus gave his body. He poured out his blood for us that we might be invited to dine with him and he with us. So friends, as we come to this table, we come humbly asking for the Lord to serve us and to be with us today. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Old South Presbyterian Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. If you'd like more information about our historic church, or you'd like to find out more about the gospel of Jesus, please visit our website at oldsouthnbpt.org. The peace of Christ be with you.